It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exult in you. That's Psalm 511. Seems like we've read a lot from the Psalms this week and we've gotten a lot of encouragement and reassurance of the faithfulness of God in the Psalms. But this is Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here and Bert Harper and Devin Patrick running the gear and the great staff of AFR bringing to you this Friday show where we, we call it Fireway Friday. All we're going to do is take questions. So this is your day, friend. This is your day to get your Bible question in, and we'll do our best to give you a good answer. The number is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. We would love to hear from you on this edition of Fireway Friday. But, Bert, I love that verse, Psalm 511. Let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Uh, God is our refuge. God is our sanctuary. He's our Savior, our friend, our provider, our protector. And in Him we do rejoice, don't we? We do. And there's reasons to rejoice, not only for what He does, but simply because of who He is. Uh, I noticed this about my three sons, our three sons, Jan and myself, uh, my mom and my dad, they had a lot of grandchildren, so they could not afford to, you know, give them a lot. They'd struggle and give them a little bit, but, man, my mother could make cakes and cookies or whatever, and Jan's mom was about the same way, but they loved her and them just because of who they were, not because of what they got from them. And uh, so we love God. Yes, he's blessed us. Yes, he's given us He's our refuge, but Alex, we love him because of who he is. And uh, Amen. If, Amen. if you and I could only let everyone know who he is, how great he is, uh, uh, it's it's Amen. unreal. People would turn him away. He is that good, isn't he? God is so good. God is so good. And you know, as we get into the uh, program today, uh, very very briefly, I want to tell you about a call I had just actually, you know, forty five minutes ago. I'm not going to give the name, but we have we have a listener uh, on the West Coast, and he is uh, of of Asian extract, and he's been listening, and we've been cultivating a friendship for a couple of years with this listener, and as far as he knows, he's the first person in his family to become a born again Christian, and Bert, you and I have prayed with this dear brother on the phone a time or two. And he calls, and we stay in touch. Well, he called me just a few minutes ago, and Bert, um, his English, he wouldn't mind me saying this, his English is a little bit hard to understand sometimes, but this dear brother, a couple of years ago, accepted Christ. He's a daily listener to Exploring the Word, and um, he has grown in the Lord so much, but he needs prayer because uh, so far his wife is not a Christian yet, and she, he was telling me today, Bert, that um, he's been, you know, tithing, and he's growing in the Lord. He's got a new job, and his wife needs to accept Christ, and you know, him obeying the Lord and 
you know, going to church and tithing has caused some friction in the home. Uh, and so we are praying, and, and this dear brother is in Pasadena, California. We're praying for you. But here's what he said, Bert, and I just, I wish I was recording it. He said, Bert, uh, and, and he calls me, he says, dear teacher, dear teacher. And he calls you that too, Bert. And uh, he said, you, you guys are like my daddy. You're like my father. And he said, you've taught me so much. And I said, well, you know, we give God the glory. And he said, I thank God that Don Wildman had the vision for AFR Radio. And, you know, this dear brother, he's only been a Christian a couple of years, and he, he said he listens to all the great programming. He loves exploring the Word. But he said, you have no idea. You brought me to Jesus, and you've, you've grown me up in Jesus. So uh, to wow. this listener in Pasadena, I just want to say we are praying for you. We're praying for your wife to get saved. We rejoice in, and I mean, this brother has just had dramatic growth in Jesus. I mean, just vertical. Um, he's being a witness where he is. But, you know, and I know that we have listeners all over the country. I know also we have listeners uh, that are incarcerated. And I know right now this minute, there's a lot of listeners that are behind bars, and, and we love you, and we pray for you as well. But I just wanted to start out the show and give God the glory from, um, from this show, Bert. It, it appears we get to speak into the lives of a whole lot of people. Amen. And that is the purpose of exploring the Word. Yes, we want to answer questions. That is true. But more than anything else... We want people to be born again and then be discipled. And that's what exploring the Word. That's the reason we go over the Word of God, not because, oh, this great information, although the information is great, although the answering the question helps, our ultimate goal is for people to know Jesus Christ as Savior and them to grow in Him. Well, what we're going to do, uh, we're going to take time out and pray right now, Alex. We've been praying for the situation in Ukraine and Russia mm. And uh, we're going to pray for uh, your our brother in California, and and you've named others. So I think I prayed yesterday. Would you mind leading us in prayer, and then we'll go to the phone calls? Amen. Let, let's join together, folks. Dear Lord Jesus, we just love you, and thank you that you first loved us, and thank you that you are the God that uh, you know our story from beginning to end. And so, Lord, we rejoice that uh, in the, the midst of this world, the, the busyness of life and just the struggles and, you know, personally in our own lives and just the news every day, Lord, we could be so fearful and so hopeless, and yet we know that when we call on your name, you hear us and you have our lives cradled in the palms of your hand. And so we rejoice in that. First of all, we just want to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for caring for us, saving us, and, and just being with us every moment of every day. And Lord, I, I pray for this dear brother out in California. Lord, I thank you he is saved. Lord, I pray, and Lord, you know his name, and uh, Lord, he's in a, a tough situation, not a lot of believers around him. Give him encouragement, give him strength. I pray for his wife to be born again, and they would be walking uh, together in unison because they would both know you. And Lord, give him wisdom and discernment as he witnesses to his family members. And I know many people are in that situation, so we lift them up to you. Lord, we pray for all the listeners, uh, especially those that are that are serving you, uh, in the prisons and jails. And Lord, I pray a special blessing right now on the men and the women that are incarcerated. And they, they've reached a point and they've come back to you. And 
Lord, just give them ample uh, touch from the Holy Spirit. Uh, and Father, um, be with us in, we, in this show of questions and answers. Give Bert and I wisdom. And finally, Father God, we do pray, Lord, we cry out regarding the situation in the Ukraine. And Lord, I, I pray that you would uh, restrain evil. And Lord, it appears that um, the nuclear plant there is in the hands of Putin and his people. So Father God, would you please protect the world, pr- protect Europe, I know the president of the Ukraine is asking for the whole wide world to help, help save Europe. And uh, Lord, I, I just know how miraculously, even during World War II, you, you miraculously intervened and stopped the steamroller of the Third Reich. And Lord, it seems in some ways the situation now is analogous to that. And Lord, we're praying for you to rule and overrule. And Lord, we pray for the Christians in Ukraine and in Russia. And Lord, just protect the remnant of believers. And we we ask that you would keep the world safe. Lord, keep the world free. Enable us to spread the gospel. And Lord, for the sake of people and Lord, the future of this world. And Lord, ultimately, though, for the, the work of your great commission. Lord, we need you to intervene. We ask that you would. We thank you. And we know that you, you know what's going on. And Lord, you are in control, and we worship you, sovereign Lord. We we put all our hope and all of our trust in you, dear Lord, and we make these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alex, thank you so much, and we do pray for you guys that Alex did. Keep praying, okay? Well, let's go to the phone lines, and let's go to Mississippi and talk to Roger. Roger, welcome. Oh. I've been curious. I've been reading in the end of time about the end of times in the book of Matthew, and there's one little part in there to where it says something like, "Be careful that your travel's not in the winter, or you be with." So, what does that mean? But that particular time, like winter. Okay, Roger. Thank you. Let me just say this: a lot of people, Alex, and you know this, man. They are looking. Is this the time? Is the clock ticking? And uh, let me just say this, Roger, uh, it always has been, but look like it's getting closer and closer. And right now, uh, there's this old song, the times, the you know, the signs of the times are everywhere. And uh, Alex, they seem to be. Uh, why would they not want to uh, travel in winter? Because of the difficulty and the hardship, they wouldn't have help? Why, what is that in Matthew? Yeah, this is in Matthew 24, 20. And Bert, I... I personally think that this is talking about Jewish people that come to Christ and they believe in Messiah during the tribulation period. Right. You know? And uh, so I would encourage people to read Matthew 24. And look, they're going to have to flee probably to a place called Masada uh, for safety, in fact. And and we've talked about this before. So imagine fleeing, um, and it's it's... I'm I'm going to guess I've I've made this drive from Jerusalem out to the wilderness of Masada is I'm thinking like a hundred miles, Bert. It would be it's, close it, to that. It's uh that's as far south as I've been was Masada when I was there, and it yes. took quite a while. Yes, and and I mean people are literally this is during the Great Tribulation. The Antichrist is killing people who haven't taken the mark of the beast. There's going to be 144,000 Jewish 
billygrams uh, that get saved. And so they're fleeing for their lives. And when it says in verse 20, uh, pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath, and there'll be great distress such as the world has never seen. I, I think this is really speaking about the people on foot hiding for their very lives during the time of the tribulation. I agree with you. They did not take the mark of the beast, and I agree with you. That's uh, Matthew 24 has a lot of Jewish, uh, let me just say, Jewishness in it, uh, the, their religion and their travel. Yeah. It really the Gospel well. of Matthew is yeah. a very Jewish book. Oh, yes, it? it was written for that purpose, and that's why you have four. We're not going to have to. Daryl, you're next, but we're going to wait till you have time to ask that good question right now. And so I want to tell you something that would be really important, and that's for you that are listening. We need listener stories. Uh, we're going to have share in the month of April. It's coming up. And American Family Radio has blessed a lot of people. We would love to hear how it has blessed you. And Alex and I are a little bit partial. We'd especially enjoy hearing how Exploring the Word has blessed you. So give us a call and let that be played. It should be about a minute or two. Uh, just think it through and then call this number. Write it down, 877-876-8893. That's the listener storyline. Now, that's not the n- number you need to call today uh, for the question, but for your testimony, 877-876-8893. Alex, my favorite part of Sherathon is hearing these listener testimonies. We'd love to hear from some about exploring the Word, wouldn't we not? Well, absolutely. So call in, give us those testimonies, and it does show. We give God the glory. It shows that together we're all making a difference. Stay tuned. Fireway Friday with your questions is back after this brief break. Don't go away. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Marty Walsh, Secretary of the U.S. Department of Labor. His office administers federal laws governing occupational safety and health, wage and hour standards, unemployment benefits, reemployment services, and economic statistics. Proverbs 13.4 reminds us of the importance of hard work. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Marty Walsh in his work at the Department of Labor. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now at pausetopray.org. Sometimes we pray as if we're trying to fill God in on what's going on or give Him advice on what He should do about it. But Dr. Tony Evans says the Lord wants something very different and has ways of guiding us in that direction. We'll learn more as we spend two minutes with Tony. You don't pray to inform God. He says, when you come to me, don't just come to give me information I am already completely aware of. I already know what you need. Well, wait a minute. So if you know what I need, why I got to pray anyway? Because in a relationship, you do things because of the connection. And I want to know you want me, not what you can get from me. 
He says, no, this conversation is not just about what you need because I already know that. So what I'm going to do, God is saying, is I'm going to let you have needs because it's only when you have a need that I can get a little time with you. It's only when things are bad enough that you at least will think about talking to me. It's only when everything is shut down that I get extra time in spite of just a rush. You just say a quick thing because you're supposed to. So sometimes I let the needs be light. Maybe I'll get some time with you. Oh, no, no, that wasn't bad enough. Let me take it down a little lower. Maybe you'll give me some time now. Or let me make it so that it's hopeless. Now I get all of your time because I want a relationship with you and sometimes your needs are the only way I can get it. Learn to develop the kind of connection with God that meets His desires and yours. Check out Tony's CD series, The Lord's Prayer, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Father, I'm in a desperate place. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. I know that song uh, expresses many of you and the difficulty you're in. Call upon the Father. He cares for you. As Alex opened the program today, He is our refuge. Let's run to Him. He is a good, good Father. I love that song that's been written. He, you're a good, good Father. He really mm-hmm. is. So come to Christ. Alex, let's go to the phone lines and talk to Daryl in Mississippi. Daryl, welcome. Hey. Yes, welcome, brother. Hey, uh, yeah, I have a question uh, about water baptism. Because uh, I listen to y'all show almost daily. Uh, I've heard people ask about water baptism. And in Matthew 3, uh, I, Jesus Christ himself was water baptized by John the Baptist. Uh, to me, it seems like water baptism is really downplayed these days where you don't have to have water baptism to be saved. Uh, so I guess my question is, if, if Jesus Christ himself had to be baptized to fulfill Scripture, to fulfill the prophecy, why wouldn't we have to, or better yet, why wouldn't we want to be? Daryl, thank you for your question. Let me share with you, baptism is important. It's important to discipleship. Uh, you know, that is vital, the water baptism. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is vital for salvation. So unless the Holy Spirit's come into a person's life, and that happens at the moment of salvation, when a person asks Christ in, uh, they're indwelled or baptized with the Holy Spirit, and it should be, it really should be, Daryl, followed up by water baptism. It's a, Alex, it's a testimony. Water baptism is testimony. Now, Jesus was baptized, certainly not to be saved, Daryl. He was a- Amen. Son of God. I was just going to say that. Yeah, but he was validating John the Baptist. He was beginning his ministry, wasn't he, Alex? Yeah, he really was. And thank you for that question. And, and to the caller, I agree. Baptism is an important step of obedience for a born-again Christian. Uh, but we've said this several times, you, you've got to know that the New Testament uses the word baptism in a couple of different ways. There is obviously water baptism, baptizo, which I believe is by immersion. Uh, in fact, in the ancient uh, Greek literature, when a ship sank or when dishes were being washed, they said baptizo, it was put under the water. 
and that's that's what it is. But there's there's what we call believer's baptism. Now, Galatians 3.27 says, As many as of you were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. So in a sense, when you put your faith in Jesus and you are born again, Lord, I'm a sinner, I believe, come save me, Lord, I give my life to you. You are baptized the moment you're born again. You're baptized into Christ by faith. Then as a believer... You can be water baptized, and you identify, and you, in church, you're publicly saying, look, I'm, a, I'm not ashamed to proclaim to everybody, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. And then, Bert, like you say, we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God indwells and seals and empowers the believer. So, Bert, don't you think it's important that we acknowledge the New Testament uses the word baptism in a couple of different senses. And Bert, as you said, certainly Jesus wasn't baptized to get saved. He was the sinless Son of God, but he was identifying and being our example that we follow. But water baptism is not what saves you. It's not baptismal regeneration, but it is a public step of obedience for the one who has been saved. That is right. And and Darrell, we hope that helps. And Bert and Alex... We want to go on board saying, if you've been born again, uh, follow the Lord in baptism, uh, water baptism, and uh, express that openly and let others see. Let's go to Georgia and talk to Brian. Brian, welcome. Hey, Bert and Alex. Uh, great talking to you, and uh, you guys are just outstanding. I appreciate it. I've Bless got a you. question. Uh, it's from Corinthians uh, 6, 9 through 11. Um, one of the definitions for someone who can't get into heaven or is going to be denied heaven is a reviler. The English translation is speaks abusively. Is that hold up true from the Greek or the original language? And would that be considered someone with a mean spirit? Or how would you how would you uh, say that is? This is a great, great question. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Just let me read that because this list, and it's in that list, is quite unusual. But do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, or, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, verse 11 makes it very plain. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified by, uh, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of our God. Alex, that is quite a list. And seeing the one, most of us can look at homosexuals, adulterers, idolaters, thieves, covetous, drunkards, uh, extortioners, revilers is one of those words that's not quite as used as often, is it? I, I know, and it, it's a, an interesting word. I'm glad the the caller brought it out because you know James has a lot to say about how we use language, and it talks about somebody a verbal abuser, and the word uh, it's a word not used much at all. L o i d o r o s, loideros, and uh, I don't know. I really don't know a lot of the origin of that word, but I've got it in the lexicon here. And it's it's a verbal abuser, 
and somebody who purposely injures another's reputation by denigrating, slandering, abusing, and insulting them. Now, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about spreading a false report or, you know, slandering somebody. And uh, let me just say, I think the person that would, you know, be verbally abusive like that, it's indicative that their words and their language has not been submitted to the Holy Spirit. Now, if, if people go to hell, not heaven, it's not because they slip up and, you know, uh, lost their temper and said things they would regret. We've all said things we regret. But, Bert, I think the fact that their tongue is led by the flesh, not the spirit, is indicative they've not been born again yet. And that, and that whole list, and, Bert, you said it so well, it gets to where it says, as such were some of you. So when you get saved, and I realize, Bert, it might be a process. Um, that that First Corinthians 6 list talks about drunkards and sexually immoral and homosexual and people who curse and slander and give others a verbal beatdown. Um, when you get saved, your life, your behavior needs to change. Your vocabulary needs to change. And when the, the life is under the control of the Holy Spirit, it truly will change. It really does. And uh, the whole idea is that we're a new creation in Christ, that it has been different. Notice, if you put these in categories, and I... I kind of do that because it's hard to preach on each one of those. Uh, it, it's the idea of, of identity, immorality, uh, actions, and even your words and all of these. In other words, God comes in and he changes those things. Now, salvation is instant, but discipleship is a process. So God began, he, he started that work of change. He continues that work of change. And uh, so these people, they were that, but they've been delivered, and now they've been sanctified. Isn't that a beautiful word? You were set apart for something set better. Apart. You were set apart for something better. Those old sins, they be maybe, you know, I, I use it as a like a dog nipping at your heels, trying to drag you down, but keep going strong. And uh, so we want to know that. So thank you so much, Brian. And next, we're going to go to Alabama and talk to Betty. Betty, welcome. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, my question is, and I have pondered over this for years and never could find an answer, so I hope you can. Why, and I'll just mention Joe because... He's familiar with everyone. Uh, when they were in trouble or some of their family was hurt or any bad thing, they would wrap themselves in sackcloth, sprinkle ashes on their head, and sit in ashes. And you know how long Job did. He just withered away, and they claimed that he was in a, a garbage dump place. Did everyone have to go to an unclean place? And what was the purpose of the sitting in ashes and wrapping themselves in sackcloth? Daddy, mm -hmm. thank you for your call. 
Alex, this goes on, and let's remind you of another one. When jo- uh, This is not just Jewish uh, practice. If you remember when, uh, when uh, Jonah went and preached to Nineveh, they yeah, repented sure. that way too, Alex. And so it is a custom of the day. It's not uh, the, the command is repent and turn. Confess, repent, and turn. And one of those attitudes are, Alex, it, would it be a display of repentance and oh, confession? Yeah. I, would that be the word display of it to demonstrate to others and to God? Yeah, and, and let me say, ma'am, thank you for this wonderful question. Uh, sackcloth and ashes, you know, Wednesday, churches everywhere had Ash Wednesday services where you put ashes on your forehead in the sign of a cross, and it shows uh, contrition. And the word contrite means sorrowful. Lord, I am broken. I'm sorry for my sins. But, um, Bert, let's talk about sackcloth for just a little bit because it was a very, very rough, uh, coarse fabric. A lot of times it's compared to burlap, and, Bert, I've been in church plays where we had outfits made out of burlap, which is, you know, rough and scratchy. But here's why sackcloth to a Hebrew, to a pious Jew, sackcloth was so um, pictorial of sorrow and repentance because it was woven out of goat's hair. Now, you don't want to be a goat. You want to be a sheep, right? But to put on a fabric made of goat's hair was very rough and unpleasant, and it looked like poverty. But Essentially what the person was saying, Lord, I am unworthy. Uh, I'm so sorry. I'm not even like one of your children. Please have mercy on me. And so it was a sign. You see it in the book of Esther, and you see it in the life of Job. Uh, Psalm 30, verse 11 says, You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, mourning. You've loosed my sackcloths and clothed me with gladness. Burden it good when we repent. Uh, we we go from sackcloth to righteousness when we turn to the Savior. Amen. And there is, in the, all through the Scriptures, starting with Adam and Eve, when they got right with God, they put off the fig leaves and put on the animal skins that God had prepared for them. Even in heaven, we're going to be dressed in white, changing of it. Paul used that illustration, put off the old and put on the new. So the, high, uh, the old idea of sackcloth has that idea of, of man, of, but repentance. And, and sitting in those ashes, uh, we get an offering from that. It's sacrifice. It's kind of like sacrifice, Lord, uh, it's, you sacrifice for me. So you get both of those with that. And I think that is, is a, it's a you know, sign of true, true repentance. Thank you, Betty. Let's go to, well, let's see. Yeah, let's go to West Virginia. Casey, welcome. Uh, hello, Bert and Alex. Uh, I picked up hello. your book. It's an excellent read. Um, well, thank you. Thank you. I, my, my question is in uh, Matthew 5.22, and uh, if you could shed a little light on your take. First of all, what is raka? What does that mean? And when he says, uh, if you say thou fool, you'll be in danger of hellfire. What what does that mean? Okay, thank you. This is in the uh, after the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. He's gone through the Summitudes. He's 
coming to the idea of murder. For I say to you, this is verse 20, uh, that unless you your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. And, and here's again, uh, this is just commonplace in, in the Sermon on the Mount. But I say unto you, notice this, you say or you've heard, but I say to you, that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause will be in danger of judgment. And whoever has says his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. For whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Now, Alex, this is the whole idea. God, the words, yes. But what does God always do? Does he look deeper than the words, whether they're angry words or whether they're words of praise? Does God look a little bit deeper than our words? He really does. He, he really does because when the, that um, raka, uh, it's interesting. It's an ancient Arabic word. Word etymologies are so fascinating. Uh, and it might be akin to a Latin word requiem um, that we think of rest, Latin word for rest, but it really means death. And I want to talk about the word raka there. It's an Arabic word, and there are several shades of meaning. And to use it, it was like the worst slander you could level at somebody because it basically denied their humanity. Yep. Now, it, it could mean empty-headed. One, one lexicon says it, in our vernacular, we might say like numbskull, right? But in a way, and this is going to sound not so serious, but it is, vain fellow, empty-headed, you're not even a human being. That's really almost blasphemous, isn't it, to deny somebody's humanity? And, and so God looks, what are you saying? What's behind your words? Praise what God knows. We're going to continue with Exploring the Word. We're going to take your phone calls, so don't go away. Stay tuned for more. AFR is the voice of reason. American Family Radio's Spring Shareathon is April 19th through the 21st. An inspiring part of Shareathon is hearing how God is using American Family Radio. It's a lifeline for me during the day. Please take a moment to share how God has used AFR in your life. Call now at 877-876-8893. That's 877-876-8893. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. There are six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven, which are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. With support from its Republican governor, Phil Scott, Vermont is on course to become the first state in our nation to guarantee a right to murder preborn babies in its constitution. The Vermont House voted 107 to 41 to place Proposition 5 onto the ballot for consideration by voters there in November. According to the Pew Research Center, 70% of adult Vermonters say pre-born baby murder should be legal in all or most cases. 
The citizens will vote, but God is the final judge. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with a minute in God's Word to help you keep moving forward. David wrote in Psalm 29, verse 9, In his temple all cry glory. Someone has said that glory is the nearest we can come to describing God in one word. Think about just a few of the attributes of God. He is holy. He hates sin. He is merciful. He does not delight in punishing. He is jealous and will tolerate no rivals. He is faithful and will never desert us. He is eternal with no beginning or end. He is incomprehensible so that no one can fully understand him or figure him out. The list of all his attributes goes on and on. Add all the qualities of God together and the sum total is glory. Let's give him glory today in our lives. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Just give me Jesus. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex here with Bert and your calls. We're so glad you're listening. Call in if you would, 888-589-8840. Hey, Bert, I do. I want to give a, a little word here for the Next Level Parenting Conference, uh, the Fellowship of Huntsville. That's where I am right now. I'm at Huntsville, Texas, and uh, tomorrow, Saturday, March 5th, 9 to 530. It's a parenting conference, and if you're near Houston, this just took me oh, I don't know, 50 minutes to drive from the Houston airport, but 9 a.m. to 5.30 tomorrow at the Fellowship of Huntsville, and I'll be speaking, but also Will and Mickey Addison. And so this is uh, 3895 State Highway 30 West, Huntsville, Texas, and uh, the church, their website is super easy. It's like fohc.org, as in Fellowship of Huntsville Church. And uh, come out... I'll be speaking, but listen, you you listen to Mickey Addison teach, you're in for a blessing. Amen. I agree with that. So I hope you can go. Uh, if you can, you'll be blessed. Hey, we got callers. We're going to got to get to as many calls as we can in this last segment. Let's go to Virginia and talk to David. David, welcome. Hello, brothers. How y'all doing today? It's good day. Good day, brother. Good to have you. All right. Good. I got one question and a quick question about one about one of your books. But where can I read like the the, the world the, the 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 Earth is five to ten thousand years old? And I was talking to a guy I know, and he goes, "Nah, man, it's hundreds of millions of years. Dinosaurs and cavemen." And I just I couldn't. I'm not going to say something that I don't know. So, is there any scriptures? Is there any books I can read? And also, I'll, I'll take it off the air, but I want to add this also. Where, how can I get, Bird and Alex, how can I get y'all's latest book that y'all wrote? I heard it's terrific. Okay. Well, oh, David, let me you. answer that last question first. You can go to AFR, uh, go to AFA, uh, 
afastore.net, afastore.net, and you can order it. If you don't do that, get somebody to do it for you, and uh, that's the easiest way to do it. Go to afastore.net, and we'll mail it to you. They still have a lot in stock here, and uh, it's the, the book's been doing well, hasn't it, Alex? It really has 100 Bible questions and answers that Bert and I did. It was published by Broad Street Publishing. Now, it's available everywhere, online booksellers. And if you have a local bookstore or a local Christian bookstore, I, I would encourage you to try to patronize your local store. But it's at the AFA store. And there have been some churches buying it in bulk to give away. And uh, But the caller had a question about the age of the earth. And let me say, uh, a great book and this has kind of been one of the standard texts for a lot of years, is a book by an author named Don D. Young, D-E-Y-O-U-N-G, Thousands, Not Billions. That's a book, Thousands, Not Billions by Don D. Young. And, of course, I would also reference Answers in Genesis, the, the wonderful work done by Ken Ham and the Answers in Genesis ministry. But, Bert, I'm just going to tell you, I am what they call a young earth creationist. I believe what the book of Genesis says, and I know there are born-again Christians that believe in what they call an old earth, but here's just very quickly several reasons that I reject the old earth. For one thing, um, life begins in the fossil record. There's what's called the Cambrian explosion. Life, we do not see life evolving. We do not see transitional forms. We don't see primates that evolve into humans. That was completely fabricated, made up to try to uh, shoehorn the the world that we see and fit with Charles Darwin's uh, origin of the species. So we see life fully formed. We see human history that only goes back a few thousand years, not millions of years. And the idea that there were you know, billions of years of cavemen, um, that's merely a, a fantasy that was dreamed up to try to make uh, godless evolution somehow fit with Charles Darwin and the Bible. But the, the other thing is, Bert, if you look at, at history, I think we have great evidence for a wor- worldwide global flood. I think we have great evidence that life was created. And one last thing, um, you look at Adam and Eve. God made Adam, and he would have only been minutes since he was created, and he appeared to be 30. So when God spoke the world into existence and created the human race, uh, there was the built-in maturity fully formed. Uh, some say it's, well, the appearance of age. Um, if, if an evolutionist walked up and saw Adam, he'd say, oh, well, obviously he's been alive 30 years because he's a mature adult. No, he was created uh, fully formed, and God spoke this universe into existence. He said, there's plants, there's animals. Um, we don't need to compromise with evolutionists that rule out God from the beginning. Let's take God's word for what it says. And Bert, I've even had old earthers, quote-unquote, admit to me that textually, if you just read the Bible text for what it says, you'd never get the idea of an old earth. Uh, that was just implied, inferred, but it's not what the Word of God teaches. Let me give you one more real quick. The magnetic field at the North Pole, uh, a compass, you hold it, it's going to point that way because of the magnetic field. 
but since they've been measuring the magnetic field, it has lost some of its strength. And it is consistent with over thousands of years. If it was millions, yay, billions of years, that means when life, quote, began uh, billions of years ago, if that were the case, people would not even be able to get their lift their foot or an animal lift their foot or a bird fly off of the earth. It would be so strong. And so the magnetic field, in the, that since they've been keeping up with it, has lost some of its strength. Taking that over, keeping that same percentage of loss, it would be too strong so many years ago. But going back to thousands of years, 6,000 to 8,000 years ago, no, it fits right in. So the magnetic field also supports creation. Let's go mm -hmm. to Arkansas and talk to Chris. Chris, welcome. Hey, guys. So got a bit of a sensitive question. Um, I'm a, a small group leader at my church, and uh, a younger couple than us, uh, I guess, came to, uh, started coming to church two, maybe three years ago. Anyway, um, the wife has uh, recently uh, left, uh, so to speak. She's still, uh, they're still married and everything, but uh, she decided to take up with a, a woman. So um, as a, a leader and friend uh, of those uh, and that couple, uh, how do I uh, address that with the husband? Because I'm obviously closer to him than I am her as far as that goes. So I'm just curious. uh, uh what your advice would be in that situation like that. Thank you, Chris, for calling. Let me just tell you, he's not alone. This is happening so much. Some of them are leaving their husband to go live with a uh, another woman. I've heard of that and vice versa as well. It is wrong. Uh, how, would, how would you handle it? Alex, I would tell that man that, you know, wait for a while. There, uh, she's wrong, but give her time. Yes, that separation yet needs to take place, and let her reap some of her choices. But don't you make a bad choice too quickly. A lot of times, people get in a rush. Oh, there's no hope, but there is hope, isn't there? Even for that, there's hope of them coming back. Well, there is, and and I, my heart goes out uh, hearing this, Bert. Uh, I'm not going to name the book. I'm not going to name the author. Uh, but there is a book that is published uh, by an allegedly Christian woman, and it's published by a major Christian publisher, and there are a lot of women, and this is a phenomenon we really haven't talked about on the show, a lot of Christian women, and I know, I know two families right now that, that we've counseled with, and this Christian book urges women to love other women, and, and there are professed Christian women that have walked out on their husbands, moved in with women, and some ultimately embrace lesbianism. And this is a book that I think it's doing so much damage because, listen, we know life is hard. Marriage is not easy. I mean, and let me just say one of the fundamental um, foundation points of, of marriage, besides obviously the Lord Jesus, is commitment. Goodness. Uh, we don't we don't walk out on our marriage vows just because it's hard. We don't walk out on our job just because it's stressful. You know, we don't, uh, Galatians six nine. In due season we will reap if we faint not. And there is a book, and I, Bert, I think it's straight from the pit. And there there are formerly Christian women 
that are leaving their family and their husbands and children, and many going into full full blown lesbianism because there's I've got a I've got a I've got to look after me while there's time. That's not biblical. Um, let me let me say this: marriage is a covenant. And by the way, a covenant means a cut to cut something. And when they would when they would sacrifice and ratify, validate a covenant by a, a sacrifice, essentially what the uh, the parties of the covenant were saying is, may that be what happens to me if I bail out on the commitment I'm making. So, Bert, I think we've got to teach, and uh, I, I really i have got to wrap up because time is so short, but um, I'm, get, I'm doing a wedding this summer, and I was doing the premarital counseling for the couple last week, for the first of many, and I said, do you understand the decision you're making? Do you understand you are making a covenant commitment to each other and to God. Yes. And um, you know, that's why I love the old the old marriage vows that would say, uh, you know, may God do so to me if aught but death separate us. We've got to take this commitment seriously, don't we, Bert? We do. And it has I'm old enough to remember when you just didn't have divorce within the church between uh believers. I remember mm-hmm. pastoring the first time that ever happened in un, with me, and it's also the first time it ever happened in that church. But it has become commonplace. It is wrong. Uh, wait on the Lord. Give Him wait. I say on the Lord. Watch Him work. Don't 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 walk out. Don't walk out. Thank you so much, Chris. We pray that you'll be there for your friend during this time. Let's go to Tommy in North Carolina. Tommy, welcome. How do you do? Doing well, brother. Okay, I just I have a question. I don't understand more than anything. Uh, my religious Okay, Tommy, we're not getting a good connection at all. We heard that you're only baptized once, one baptism. Let's go to there about Ephesians. Alex, what does that mean when it says one baptism? One Lord, one faith, one baptism. You remember that scripture? Yeah, that's it. There's no way to be saved but by putting your faith in Jesus. Uh, but again, and while, listen, I believe in uh, in water baptism as a public proclamation. Uh, it's like the wedding ring you wear. Putting on a wedding ring wasn't what gets you married. Now, you proudly wear your wedding band to show that you are committed uh, one spouse, but what gets you married is that commitment where you say, I do. Well, what gets you saved is putting your faith in Jesus. When Ephesians 4, 5 says, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, I think that's using the word baptizo in the same sense as Galatians 3. That means we are baptized, we're infused, we're immersed into Jesus when we put our faith in him and we're born again. If water baptism was essential, it would be a based on geography. You wouldn't have hope in the desert. You would not have hope. When it was in winter time and all the ice was frozen, I don't mean to be frivolous with that, but that is true. And uh, it says, "Not by the will of man." What if I didn't find anybody willing to baptize me, Alex? I'd be up the creek without a paddle, you know. Uh, wow, and, good, good point. And it good is, point. it is. But we don't want to diminish the importance of water baptism for discipleship. You don't hear us saying that. 
but we're saying you got to be right with God and trust him. He'll come into your life. Let's go to Virginia and talk to Alfred. Alfred, welcome. Oh, how are you doing? Good, man. Go right ahead. Oh, yeah. Uh, My question is, um, yeah, you talked about the kingdom of God and, like, heaven. Um, Yeah, I was wondering, like, is there, like, different places for people in heaven? Like, um, I I remember um, this—I saw this on YouTube. Uh, I think um, this kind of goes back a few years ago when uh, Paul Walker died. Um, Some Christians say that he was born again, but is it possible if he's in heaven, he's not in the same place as the apostles, like Peter, John? Like, is there—you know, because for a celebrity who dies, who's actually loved the world— is it possible if he goes to heaven, he's in the same places as, you know, somebody more glorified? I got you. Alfred, thank you. Good question, Alex. I hadn't got a lot of time. Let me just say this. In heaven, we're going to be rewarded. I know what we're going to do with those rewards. We're going to put them at Jesus' feet. But I think there is some issue about uh, you've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you master over many. Uh, I don't know exactly how that works in heaven, but uh, there's uh, – let me just share with you. It pays to serve Jesus after you save, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. Everything post-salvation is a decades-long thank you note back to Jesus, we've said. I want to encourage people to read 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, and, you know, that's very famously it talks about gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Um, look, it's going to be glorious to be in the presence of Christ. But, Bert, I do think there there are different levels of reward and crowns in heaven. Revelation twenty two twelve, Jesus said, I'm coming and my reward is with me. So if you've been saved, then serve him and he will reward you in heaven. And I want to just say the reverse of that in hell, the worst thing about being in hell is remembering all the times you could have said yes to Jesus and you didn't. I think that is going to be horrible. Trust Christ. If you need help, call this number, 888-NEED-HIM. 888-NEED-HIM. They'll talk with you. They'll pray with you. And you can come into this great relationship with Jesus Christ. Alex, been good to be with you today, brother. Listen, folks, thanks for being with us on Exploring the Word. We appreciate that. Hey, go to church Sunday. Be in the house of God on Sunday. Tell somebody about American Family Radio. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus.